Welcome to Roadhouse Minute, the podcast where we review the best bad movie of all time, Roadhouse, one minute at a time, and where we always try to be nice until it's time not to be nice. I'm Roger, and I'm really sorry we're not going to be joined uh, this week with Marcy. Uh, she is uh, convalescing a little bit, um, and uh, trust me, I know she would want to be here if she could, because this is just a fantastic week of episodes. But we are very lucky to be joined this week by a fantastic guest. Uh, we have Rob from uh, Movie Rob Minute. How are you doing, Rob? I'm doing great, and I'm just looking for a way to go buy, maybe buy a car or, you know, I don't know. We'll have some for you. Before we get into but, the minute, uh, Rob, so besides Movie Rob Minute, tell us all the other exciting things that you have going on out on the internet. Well, uh, I've had a movie review website for the past nine years, or actually maybe no, nine years, and I review usually about 100 movies a month. So you can find that on uh, moviewrob.wordpress.com. And in addition, I do podcasting. So I have the Movie Rob Minute. First season was The Great Escape, which we ended all the way back at the end of February. And then second season was Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, which we actually just ended yesterday. And season three, anyone it's anyone's guess right now what it's going to be. I haven't really thought that far yet. Obviously, on the day that the on today that everyone's listening to this, I've already released it. So you'll know sooner than I do. <laughs> I am in awe, Rob. We'll get to our minute in just a minute, but I'm in awe with your volume of content. Uh, I mean, for starters, like, so Great Escape, like we're going to finish, we'll be finishing our movie in about 30 more minutes. And then after that, your movie would still have another hour to go. Like yes, how, 172 episodes I had for the Great Escape. I cannot even. I I I love the Great Escape. Um, one of my fraternity brothers who really loves that movie got me turned on to it in college. I'd never seen it before then, um, but it's it's a fantastic movie. But just the idea of doing that many episodes of a movie and then your blog. How many movies do you feel like you've reviewed thus far? What? I know the answer to that. Do you think I don't know the answer to that question? Oh, sorry. How many movies have you <laughs> reviewed so far? As, a as, as of the time of this recording, so looking behind the curtain, this is uh, early February 2022. Right. So as of now, I've done 8,600 reviews. So if I do 100 reviews a month, so by the end of June, so let's say that that's March, April, May, June, that's another four, I'll, I'll, I'll hit 9K. That is staggering. Maybe we in, can talk in the more middle about of June. I should hit my nine K. Yes. That is, I cannot. I'm a. I like to think of myself as a big movie fan, but that's a level I just can't even comprehend. Maybe we'll get a chance to talk a little bit more about your blog uh, this week. But uh, where's my decorum? Attention must be paid to the format. This is minute eighty-five of uh, Roadhouse. This minute starts with Stratemeyer seeming to be all hat and no cattle. And it ends with uh, Wesley circling Stratemeyer with bad intentions. So, I mean, this is, uh, as I've said in a couple of other weeks uh, where we've been doing this show, it's, it's really nice. I don't know if you found this to be the case too, Rob. There, there are some weeks where it just feels like the movie has just perfectly crafted, almost sort of like it's like a mini episode. And this, yeah. this week is no different. This is the monster truck. These are the minutes I promised you when you volunteered to uh, come on the show. It seems like decades ago now, but it really um, does. I think I think it was like six months ago. 
I picked out these fun. minutes because you were an eager volunteer, and these are these are some of the greatest minutes of the movie, and I'm really looking forward to getting into them. Um, but we're Don't we're mind. not we're not even really going to get to Monster Truck in this minute. We're going to spend most of our time kind of finishing up last week uh, here here in in Red's very sad house. Where should we start with this? What were some of your big thoughts coming out of the beginning of this minute? Okay, well, first of all, I mean, I liked the the confrontation between Red and Stoudemire that started <laughs> it started on Friday, and today we we continue with it. You know, the the two of them they're they're these businessmen, and you know they're they they want to do things right. They want to have their town done right. As I mean, you you've mentioned so many times throughout the course of of this podcast that this is a modern western, and it really feels that way in this scene. Because this, or actually, this whole week we'll be talking about that. But, but in this scene, the way it's it's that the town elders, you know, have gotten together and say, okay, we need to get a plan in order to get this bad guy out of here. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. I think I think this is this scene in Red's house is the first time where we really see kind of the the good guys start to 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 band together against this one big bully. Uh, yeah. and, and I like how they have two extra guys that we just have no idea who they are. Yeah, so we talked about these last week. And so Marcy and I have already talked about these guys. I have written down in my notes here. So there's this youngish guy on the right side of Tillman's shoulder. Mm-hmm. And then there's right. a guy to the left of him that kind of looks like Robert Duvall's stand-in. Like, Really? I would is- say he looks more like Red Foreman from uh, the 70s show. That's possible. Oh, you mean he looks it's not, like— It's not. But you You think he looks like Kurtwood Smith? Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Who are these guys? Absolutely no clue. I have no clue either. Like, I don't know. We tried to come up with some fantastic backstory. The guy to the left of Tillman kind of makes sense because he kind of fits into that age bracket. I have no idea who the guy on the right looks like. He just seems totally out of place in this scene. Yeah, um, completely. We're, we're never going to see these guys again. Nope. Those two guys anyway. Not at all. But, but, but I'll talk about them tomorrow. We'll, we'll, oh. we'll get there. Oh, very good. I, I would say at least in this minute, my esteem for Red continues to rise because I feel like he really speaks truth. And Stroudemeyer proves himself to just be a total wimp. He's a wimp, but he still wants to do something. Yeah. You know, he's not he's not sitting there and saying, okay, we're not going to do anything. He's like, I want to do something. I'm not going to be the leader. I think he wants Red to do something. because Red. He wants you know, someone to do something. It doesn't matter right. to him who. But, but he is willing to back them. Yeah, he he's sort of like I am a hundred percent right behind you, <laughs> as long as you got insurance. Oh yes, we're we're gonna get back to that at the end of this week. I, I yes, I, that. <laughs> thank you for thank you for teasing that joke. I got a question for you, Rob. So we get we get this what I think is sort of a weird, really weird interaction between Tillman and Dalton in this minute. Um, after Red just kind of gives up and goes up the stairs with Doc, like. I don't understand where Tillman is coming from when he says, like, you scared him last night. He was scared. I see no evidence to draw that conclusion from. What did you think about that exchange? Well, it's, it's, again, it goes back to the whole Western scenario here for the Western connection that here you have someone, you know, the owner of the bar in the Western or whatever, and he, he thinks he knows everything, but he really doesn't. He's, he's seeing something that no one else is seeing, or he thinks he's seeing something that no one else is seeing because it's not really there. He, it's, it's I guess, wishful thinking. 
Yeah, so I think that's probably true. I think this is a fair amount of kind of wish casting on his part. I have down in my notes that this is a legitimately uncreepy smile from Frank Tillman. Like, I don't think we will ever <laughs> see Frank Tillman happier than he is in this minute right now. And it really well, does think that 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 everything's done. I mean, you 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 talked, I'm sure, about in depth about the the fight last week. And you know, he he saw this and he apparently is not someone who deals with fighting that much and said, okay, they they did a nice job fighting and, and stopping things. And he interpreted the fact that Brad stopped the fight by the by the fact that Brad was was getting a little bit scared but in reality brad was not scared brad actually said okay i've shown my hand and i'm not going to show you anymore and that's why they're backing out so okay i think that's a i think that's a good reading of this scene so what what you're saying is that so frank thinks that dalton has really essentially proven to wesley that he he can take jimmy if he wants to yeah he's a formidable Um, opponent and so I agree with you. I don't think I don't think that the fight in the bar. I would I would I would judge that a no contest. I don't think it was a win for either side. I think Brad Wesley did just sort of end it because he had he had finished doing what he came to do, which was just to kind of yep. break things and prove that he's still the the big fish. I will say that Frank Tillman's the look on Frank Tillman's face when Dalton, when Dalton just kind of blows him off and shuts him down, not happy anymore. No, like if, not if, at you, all. if you look ahead to like second 34 after Dalton's walking away, like the look on all four of those guys faces, including our two rando guys, they, they do not look very encouraged by kind of the situation, the way Dalton has framed it. No, not at all. Because they, they, they realize that, there's not much that can be done here. And these are guys who want things to, to, to go back to normal for them. What the irony is, is that normal for them is, is that, you know, you have Wesley running things and, and they're kowtowing and doing everything that he wants. So that's an interesting question. So we've never really thought about this before. Uh, just you're mentioning this right now. It's made me think of this. Frank Tillman did not hire Dalton to come in and take care of Brad Wesley. He hired him to come in and uh, clean up the double deuce. Do you feel like he is ultimately happy with the way that things are turning in the sense that it looks like he's sort of getting a little bit more than what he paid for? Or do you think he would have been happier if life had just continued on the way it was? He had a hopping nightclub and he was just a proud dues paying member of the Jasper Improvement Society. Well, I, I got to say that 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 I think that Tillman knew that he was hiring Dalton to stop Wesley. Really? Okay. Yes. So you, he brought so, him here. He he didn't tell, you know, he didn't tell Dalton about the fact that, that this is what he wants him to do. He's using it as the facade that okay, I'm going to bring in this 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 cooler. And he's gonna, you know, there's a great escape uh, reference there. I'm um, gonna bring in the cooler. It's not that cooler and, though. It's not that kind. I know. Of cooler, I know. Well, where's Steve McQueen when cooler. he needed? What do you know? Cooler. 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 But so he's gonna bring in the cooler, and the whole idea is to eventually stop Wesley. But oh. the thing is, is, he doesn't tell Dalton that that's what he wants him for. That's my reading of this. That's interesting. So, so, so I think Tillman is a lot smarter than we think, at least not not in this scene, but in in general in the movie, his plan was to be able to finally stop Wesley. 
you know, the two of them have had this spat for, for decades or whatever it is. So he finally said, okay, I've had enough and I want to clean up my bar. And at the same time, I'm going to get rid of Wesley. I think that's a fair reading. Uh, I mean, if, although one wonders if that actually would have happened if we didn't have Doc in the equation. Like if we had just had, I mean, <clears throat> the inciting incident is when Pat gets fired for skimming. That's really what starts the conflict between Dalton and Wesley. Um, well, so, nepotism, nepotism at its best. Right. So one could imagine that perhaps this whole conflict. Uh, and, you know, as you said, this is a Western. So one way or another, we had to get to a conflict between Tillman's crew and Wesley's crew, because that's how a Western is supposed to resolve itself. Correct. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think Tillman is probably getting, he's getting, I think he's getting even more than what he was hoping for so far. Um, so maybe that's why he just looks even more bummed out. Like he was expecting Dalton to come in here, just kind of ready to, to take things to the next level and really start to assert himself. And, and Dalton is not having any of that. Well, that's why he's actually also acting so cocky here. You know, as far as, as Tillman's concerned, he's, he's in the going in the right direction. And now if only everyone would get behind him, then, then things would work. Right. Yeah. Tillman, Tillman is ready to lead right behind Dalton. There's a lot of, there's a lot of kind of uh, false bravado in this yes. minute, um, which is, again, why I think I, I love Red even more in this minute, because he's totally right. I mean, nothing is going to get better until someone just goes and, you know, punches Brad Wesley in the face, figuratively or literally. Like, that's how you deal with a bully. And so yes. far, no one has really done that yet. Um, so... Uh, yeah, I think I think Tillman's Tillman's uh, pleasure is a little bit overzealous in this minute. I don't have anything yeah. else about what's happening here in Red's house. Do you have anything else? I, I do, of course oh, I do. Sorry. First of okay. all, I no no need to apologize. First of all, I like the fact that the, the 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 detail that here, you know, Red is is leaving town, so he's starting to to pack things up. We have you know, like four boxes of of stuff sitting around. One of them has kitchen written on it. Another one says books. You know, you see that there are pictures, picture frames that have been taken off the walls. You know, he he really is going to follow through with this. This isn't just a, a a threat. Yeah, one of the things that Marcy and I noted, noticed last night is he's packed up an awful lot of stuff in less than 24 hours. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, true. We weren't sure when we were recording last week. We had kind of forgotten, but Tillman confirms it. All of this... This is the day after the explosion at Red's Auto Parts, which means yes. he's managed to come home and packed up several boxes in his living room. Uh, I did So I did have a little note here. We talked a little bit about Red's house last week, but I enjoy the fact that Red likes to, it looks like he likes to collect uh, little brown jugs. Yeah, I saw that. Um, his <laughs> I, house I, couldn't looked, figure, I couldn't place what the jugs actually are. I, they, I was trying to figure out what it is. They kind of look like antique thermoses or maybe sort of like German beer steins. I'm not really sure. Could be. They look like exactly like what a person his age would probably collect. Okay, fair enough. Uh, you have any other notes here about this house? Yes, this, yes, this I do. Brown house. Yes, I do. Right. Well, first of all, I mean, I, <laughs> I like the fact that you see the there's like a light fixture on the side, you know, a standing, a standing light fixture. 
that yeah. looks like someone must have already moved it or something like that because it doesn't look like it's in a place that would be useful to anybody where you have one of them facing down and the other one facing to off to the left. Yes. Now, did you notice that, I mean, we, we saw earlier with Red when he was walking, he's got all these pens and stuff in his in his uh, shirt pocket, which you probably talked about last week. Yeah, that's his move. Every time we right. see him, he's got the pocket protector. But did you see something in, in Stoudemire's pocket? No. What is he so carrying? He has a very big bulge in his pocket. You can see it in second. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I see second it right three, there. Right at the beginning. Yeah. Now, I couldn't figure out what that is because if it was today, I mean, obviously this movie came out uh, 33 years ago, but if it came out today, that would be a cell phone. It looks the size of a cell phone. You think, I don't think most people carry their cell phones in the breast pockets of their blazers. They probably don't, but I'm saying that's what it looks like. It, it, it looks a little bit like that. Do you think it could be his glasses? No. Could be a... So. Uh, it is. It, 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 it looks like it looks rectangular, like a cell phone. It does. I'm pretty sure. Maybe maybe it's maybe it's a, a little notebook or something. I don't know. That is a really good question. That is a mystery. It could. It, it does have a bulge. It has a size to it. So it's not just like a pocket square. Right. He exactly. is a he maybe. is a dapper dresser though. He is he is well dressed <laughs> in this minute and the next minute. He, well, because he changes his tie through every minute. You know. Are you talking about what he's carrying in his shirt or in his sport coat? Uh, I'm talking about what he's carrying in his shirt. In his sport oh, coat or something I, I, else. I couldn't tell what's in his sport coat. Yeah, that's what I was talking about just then. So I, I'm not entirely sure. It it does seem to be rectangular. I'm gonna say it's probably one of those little notebooks, like maybe one of those little spiral jobbers that he yeah. uses when he's at the dealership to keep track of how many wagons got crushed today. Probably. I just thought it was funny that, you know, looking at a movie from 33 years ago, it looks like someone has a cell phone, you know, even though we know he doesn't. There is strong shirt pocket game in this movie. A lot yes. of guys in this movie, and even it looks like maybe Doc in this minute too, I'm not 100% sure. They like to wear shirts with sometimes one and oftentimes two breast pockets. Maybe that was just uh, something that people did in, in, in the Midwest in the 80s. Even though I grew up in the Midwest in the 80s, but I don't remember walking around with stuff in my in my shirt pockets. I was actually I was I was only 15 when this movie came out, so yeah. You know, wow, we're gonna I we're gonna I talk about that. With we're gonna <laughs> talk about that at the end of this minute. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, anything else before we hit the road? Uh, no, I think that's all I got for this. So before we get to Stroudmeyer's auto dealership, I just want to point out the fact that. Yet again, uh, Dalton gets to drive the car. <laughs> this is We've talked about this a couple of times, how I guess in the 1980s, it is customary for the man to drive the woman's car, even though that's Doc's Jeep. Whenever, they seem, whenever they're together, it seems as though Doc is the, or Dalton is the one who gets to drive. I don't know. Maybe why. she just doesn't like to drive. The, the, you know. That's possible, but my, my my wife my wife for instance doesn't like to drive and she she does drive when she needs to but if we're together she always makes sure I'm driving. Obviously think they're that, not married here. I think most still. people that I think most people that buy Jeeps like to drive. Like that's a fun maybe car. maybe it's a perk maybe it's a perk from the hospital I don't know <laughs> they, a, a perk from the hospital here take this Jeep. No, we'll maybe. give you a, a car you know to to oh, use while possible. you're here. To convince I, her to actually want to live in this type of town. I will point out that in this shot here, which 100%, I guarantee you, is not anywhere near where the roadhouse set is. I, uh, I was going to point it out. 
This has got to be, this is downtown Fresno or maybe downtown Valencia. I'm not sure. Um, but I will point out that coming the other way on this very well-developed street, um, we have a 1968 Volkswagen Beetle, which actually looks almost like the very first car. So when I was in college, I was obsessed with Volkswagen Beetles and I bought, I bought a restored <laughs> 1969 Type 1 Volkswagen Beetle, almost like the one you see there, except mine was... Uh, it was like Sprite bottle color green. Ooh. Um, but it's pretty much that size. It's I love that ex- color, by the exactly way. Exactly that um, shape. Uh, that is the iconic Volkswagen Beetle. I will tell you it's guaranteed to break in all kinds of ways, at least the one that I bought did, uh, including <laughs> the time when the brakes failed. Oh, wow. um, and uh, what else can I say about this? Uh, one of the amusing things about this style of Volkswagen Beetle is that the uh, windshield washer is powered by the air pressure from the spare tire. Ooh, very um, interesting. <laughs> it, it was, hey, it was a fun car. I owned it for like two years and then I sold it and bought a car that wouldn't kill me. Uh, and coming in right behind that, coming in right behind that is we have a 1979 Pontiac Firebird Trans Am which I feel like is a very on-brand car with this movie. Yeah, I saw the Trans Am also. And, I was, and, then, and then I saw that there's a sign saying Ventura. So. Oh, oh, is that, so there's a highway sign in the back. Where, yes. do you, where do, is it? Wow, you can read that? You've got way better eyes than me. Yeah, yeah. it's Ventura. That's the sign. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't make out what the actual highway was. I think it says 126 or 128, but I'm not really sure. I, the first thing I did was try and see if, if there's actually any Ventura nearby where the double deuce is. And, Ventura, Missouri? No, there's no Ventura, Missouri. And then, and then, and then when I did a search, it told me how to get from Kansas City, Missouri to Ventura, California. Yeah, so drive, like, okay. drive west for 2,000 miles. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> All right, so here I we mean, are. There's another, sign, there's another sign, but I couldn't, couldn't make it out because there's a, there's a woman with a little girl who are in the way. So oh, I can't yeah, really yeah. read what that sign is. I think I see what you're talking about. And I but you'd no think idea. they would have been a little smarter when they did this. I mean, we'll, we'll get to it in later minutes also that, that there are road signs that come up again that show that we are not in well i was gonna say we're not in kansas but we're actually not in missouri anymore we're not in kansas we're not in missouri my biggest clue that we're not in missouri (laughs) is when you see the majestic mountain uh backgrounds uh that often come into shots when we're at the double deuce the majestic mountains of uh midwest of the midwest of missouri yeah you know there's some details that you just have to kind of abstract away when you're watching this movie apparently apparently would you know where this was filmed where they filmed most of the movie? Well, I mean, the yes, in Valencia, California, um, ah, okay. was where they Which again makes sense. <laughs> I think that's where they constructed, um, that's where you would have find like the set for the double deuce, the set, the exteriors for the double deuce, and for Red's Auto Parts. Um, the pickup shots, uh, where you see actual road and probably where you see this dealership and where you see big T's and stuff like that, uh, a lot of those were shot in Fresno. Okay. Um, so uh, that's that's where we are. We're in, you know, we're in we're in middle to northern California for this movie. Yeah, that's what I assumed by the by by all of, all the the traffic signs. But right. you never know. All right. So let's 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 go to Stroudmeyer Ford. You know, in the movie script, sometimes we like to talk about what's in the script. It's actually mm-hmm. a Cadillac dealership. 
I don't think that really matters. Um, this is a Ford yeah. dealership here, which is totally fine. It does appear from what we see in the background that uh, we are hosting something called Wagon Days. Yeah, uh, and I'm assuming <laughs> that I'm assuming that that's why their showroom is full of station wagons right now, which is there, really. But what's funny is is that their their showroom is filled with station wagons, and right outside of the showroom, you have another four station wagons that people are looking at. But in front of that, you have a convertible, and you have another car that has has an open top. And then, I mean, it's not just wagons that they're selling on this day. These are great station wagons. I remember, so I'm in my mid-40s. I remember when station wagons this size were like the staple of every American family. It was it was sort of like... You that was my it. life until I was probably about 15 or 16. That's what my parents had. Did you ever come into contact with one of those station wagons that had like the fake wood paneling as the, as the side panels? Of course. What do you mean come into contact with? We had one. Well, okay. Hey, you know, I didn't want to make any... <laughs> and, those... then, and then there were the two two different types of station wagons where you either had, you know, the seats going forward, but in most of the, in most of them, you had the backs, you had the gunner seats. Yes, there was a we jump. We would pretend to shoot, we would pretend to shoot the people behind us, you know, in the car behind us. So you're talking, so for some of our younger listeners, you're talking about where there was a seat in the back that actually opened up so that you were facing backwards. Correct. Uh, it's there, there were no safety standards back then. <laughs> God knows what would have happened. Like if you're riding in the car, of course you probably weren't wearing a seatbelt. And if the tailgate of your station wagon came open for some reason, like you were just, you were going to get launched out of the car, like a missile. Right. We even had a time when we had two station wagons. Wow. Yeah. I, so we're, so, we're a big family. I don't know that my family ever had a station wagon like that. My mom, my mom got one of those, Volvo station wagons, the real boxy ones, like the Volvo. Oh, I remember those two. Two forties before they started to make them look really suave. And I owned a station wagon for a while. I feel like a station, the station wagon is kind of an endangered species these days because it's been replaced by the SUV, <laughs> by minivan, <laughs> by the either the SUV or a minivan. Uh, I am comfortable in my comfortable comfortable enough in my masculinity to say that I drive a minivan and it is a great experience. Uh, when you have a family of four, it's, it's an essential, uh, it's, you need that much. When you have a family of six, it is too. <laughs> right. Um, you know, I, when you've got a Subaru, uh, outback, there's just not enough, there's just not enough storage space to go up to Maine for the summer. That's uh, true. And that's not an but, issue. But you see, based on, based on what I know of you, you're, you're an only child, right? Did I that get that is right? true. So, so your parents wouldn't have a need for a real station wagon. Rob, I did have friends. There were times when you needed to carry several people. <laughs> one second, one second. As as a parent now, you would buy a car in order to have room for your friend for your kids' friends. Absolutely. When we I bought our <laughs> when we bought our minivan, my thought was, what if I have to carry six people in this automobile? Okay. How am I going to do that? Okay. All right, I, I I take back what I said. I apologize. No, no, that's Please okay. Pass, no, pass my no, apologies to your parents. No, no problem at all. No problem. It's not all. meant to be disparaging at all. Oh no, that's okay. They <laughs> they don't mind. Uh, what else do we have here? I feel like I feel like Jack is looking pretty sharp in this minute. He's got this uh, fancy sunglasses. He's he's out of uniform. Um, this is a nice daytime scene. Uh, he's he's looking sharp, and his joke here. Uh, is in the script. So when he says it looks like uh, Wesley's going to put down something on a new car, that's right out of the script. 
Oh wow. Okay. Maybe he's wearing sunglasses because he has a black eye from from the fight yesterday. Uh, it's possible. I just think. I mean, it's a bright sunny day. I think there's a lot of people in this. I mean, Dalton's got sunglasses on too. So does Doc. I think this is just kind of yeah. what you, what you do in uh, downtown Jasper or Valencia. Right. At least at least Cody doesn't have any sunglasses on. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess he doesn't have as much to protect there. Yeah. Sadly, um, but I found it. I found it interesting that Cody's in the car with them. Yeah, I do too. So this is not going to be the last time where we sort of see Cody as a plus one. Um, Jumping ahead, uh, Cody is going to be joining us in our coda scene at the very end of the movie at the lake, uh, which is, I don't want to cheat that minute too much because that's going to kick off, I think, a weird conversation. Uh, But yeah, yeah, so so Cody likes to come along. uh, And I guess in this case, he gets to ride in the back. Yeah, and there's like a very strange straw bag next to him there. Yeah, what do you think that is? I think that's Doc's bag. It could be. Um, unless Cody carries around like his band stuff in a little straw bag. But that, I don't know, that doesn't seem like something a guy would carry around in the 80s. Uh, probably not. I did not take the time to identify all those cars. I don't really have any interest in doing that right now. Um uh, I've got a couple questions for you, Rob. Do you have any other sure. anything else about the action in this minute before we get to our guest segment? Um, well, the biggest question, and we can we can even try and find an answer to this tomorrow, is, is what does someone in rural Missouri need a Bigfoot and need a monster truck for? No, let's so let's talk about that now. Um, that's a really good question. Uh, you know, did you know that this monster truck, so this version of Bigfoot was actually... This built, is Bigfoot 7. This is Bigfoot 7. It was constructed yes. for the movie Roadhouse. Mm-hmm. Specifically. Right. I found that in my research also. It went on and now I think is living a very sad decommissioned life somewhere in Florida, of course. Um, I mean... <laughs> well, why, isn't, that, isn't, that, isn't that where everyone goes to retire? So why, not, why not send, why not send is, the, you know... A monster truck down there. That is fair. Why do you think that Brad Wesley owns a monster truck? Uh, just to be intimidating, but because he can. That's my answer too. So if you were to ask me that question, that's exactly what I would say. Because yeah. he can. It still I, doesn't. It still doesn't make sense, though. I don't think it's to be. <laughs> I don't think it's to be intimidating. I feel like the monster truck is like a perfect expression of his juvenile id, or his. It's just sort of like. It's like. It's the closest thing you can come to opening to owning a live action, uh, like uh, Hot Wheels car. Like if you want right. to own the most, it's like it's the most outrageous automobile you can own. And since everything about Brad Wesley is outsized, you know, like the size of his house, the number of animal heads on the wall, the number of pool tables, like everything for him has to show the number of henchmen. The number <laughs> of henchmen. Everything has to show that he is the biggest fish in this very small pond. So that's what I think. Okay. That's fair. And I mean, well, so that's the, that is the textual answer. Obviously we know why Brad Wesley owns a monster truck. It's for the two, the two minutes that we're going to get to in the rest of this week. Yes. Everything about the monster truck is setting up the scene that we're about to talk about in the next minute. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, listen, uh, Rob, in our Monday shows, uh, we like to ask our guests uh, what they're, if they can remember back to their early experiences with Roadhouse. You said you were about 15 when this movie came out. Do you have, yeah. remember kind of what your first experiences were watching this movie? 
Well, I remember, I mean, I grew up in a house with, with four older sisters, so I remember how much they loved Dirty Dancing before, before, you know, two years before this came out. And that movie was on TV, it was on cable, and then on video cassettes all the time. There was, I, I, I can't even try to figure out how much they watched that movie. It was that and Top Gun. Those were the two movies they loved to watch. Good choices. You know? Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I can't remember if I saw this in the theater or not. I do remember seeing it. You know, did I see it in the theater or did I see it only when it came out on cable a few months later? I don't know. But I, it was a fun movie. You know, I can't say that it's among my favorite movies. Well, you know, I, I, I did rewatch it. I did rewatch it today and I enjoyed it more this time. Partially because I've already listened to a whole bunch of episodes of your show, so it, it helped make me appreciate things a lot more. So you can you can you can you can put that on your resume, knowing that you got at least one person to enjoy this movie a little more. Oh, I really appreciate that. I think probably too. I mean, so I think I didn't see this movie until I'm going to say less than ten years ago. So I was a fully formed adult when I saw this movie. I think you can. I could have very much enjoyed this movie on one level as like a 15 year old boy, but I also think maybe watching this as as an adult, you can you can watch it in a totally different way. Like you can really watch a lot of this movie. Not ironically, but you can you can appreciate its outrageousness, um, okay. and so maybe maybe it it'll it'll get a second life for you um, right. when you okay, can watch it. Just be like this: this movie is crazy. Right. One of the so one of the episodes that's uh, come out uh, already uh, where we were talking with I was talking with the the Midnight Boys, the guys who did the Titanic and the Tombstone. Yeah, sure. mm-hmm. So so Rob Lumley. Uh, likes to say that he feels like this movie kind of fits into the 80s sex comedy genre. I don't know that I would go quite that far, but I know what he's mm. saying. It, it's 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 not a it's not an 80s sex comedy, but it is it's parts of it are sort of from that they're coming from that place of we're not going to take ourselves too seriously. We're going to have a really good time in a particular genre. In this case, I think yeah. the particular genre is the Western. Right. Um, but the, the you know, modern Western, the modern day Western, and we're just going to be outrageous. Yeah. All right, very, I, can, I can, I can see that. Well, very good. Well, knowing that this isn't one of your favorite movies, I'm even more appreciative that you came on. Um, can you remind us, Rob, all of the places where we can see and hear you on the internet? Yeah. The easiest way to find me for my own personal movies by minute show is just do a quick search for movie rob minutes you can do that on facebook do it on twitter you can go to our website and you know check out everything we have there and if you want to check out any of my movie reviews which as we mentioned earlier i have a few you know a few come out every day and so you can find me there on moviebrob.wordpress.com well, thank you once again for listening to another episode of Roadhouse Minute. Please, if you can, rate and review us on your favorite podcatching app. Come and join us on Facebook, The New Double Deuce. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at, at @rhminute, and you can email us at daltonsaysbenice at gmail.com. So remember, until next time, be nice. Bye now.